0: Welcome back to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you are joining me today. I have a great interview for you because I am talking with Michelle Tillis-Letterman, one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts. She is the author of four books, including The Internationally Known, The 11 Laws of Likeability, and the number one new release, The Connector's Advantage. Michelle is a connector creator and CEO of Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500, nonprofit, university and government clients. A former finance executive and NYU professor, Michelle is a regular in the media appearing on NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, you name it. And she is known for helping people work better together and advance their individual impact. And you'll see that today Uh, Michelle and I have a great conversation all about the advantages of connecting, building your network, building real relationships, and thinking of it more as connecting than networking. Uh, The differences between how extroverts and introverts might approach this type of thing. We talk about what is a connector, why relationships are important, the seven levels of connectors, the introvert's advantage, the seven mindsets of a connector. Why connectors get pleasure from connecting, the importance of being generous and being generous with ourselves, as well as why connectors need to have a clear vision and some other things. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Andy. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so great to have you on. I think we connected through LinkedIn and I'm so impressed with everything that you've been doing, the books and all the work that you do. And I know we're in a similar space and both very passionate about networking and connecting. So it just seemed like a match made in heaven. So it's good to have you on. You
1: know, it's funny when you say networking and connecting, because my brain immediately goes to, they're different.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Well, tell me why.
1: Well, it it was funny. My brother-in-law walked into my office when I was finishing up the book and he's like, well, what's the difference between this book and this book? Because my original one, The 11 Laws Likeability, the subtitle is Relationship Networking. And I said to him, and I kind of thought about it for a second, and I'm like, networking is something that you do, but a connector is someone that you are. Hmm. And then I was like, oh, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote it down and it became the last line of the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But what is it that makes someone a connector, but someone you are?
1: Oh, see, that's a really big question. Uh, <laughs> a connector is somebody... I mean, in the most basic form, a connector is somebody who is relationship-focused in how they approach life and how they approach people and how they approach work.
0: Hmm. Okay, great. I mean, thats I see myself as a connector. I have for many years, and especially in what I'm doing now with the podcast and my business, and I'm always connecting people and spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. So I definitely resonate with that, with that definition.
1: And so then it might depend on what level connector you see yourself. Yeah. So are you familiar with all seven levels? Have you slotted yourself in?
0: No, I haven't. Tell
1: me. <laughs> so there's seven levels, but I, I kind of don't even count the non-connector because I don't know if there's really a, a lot of non-connectors out there. Unless you really don't believe that relationships and people are important at all, and you're a complete hermit, you're probably at least an emerging connector.
0: Well, can we can we stop there and, st- and, and take a step back actually, because there might be a lot of people that believe that. A lot of my listeners are in the corporate world thinking, well, I work with a lot of people that don't seem to really care that much about relationships or connecting. And because I'm in this corporate job, I just need to get my job done and I'll be rewarded for that and my career will be fine. (laughs) Why should people be thinking about connecting and relationships?
1: Okay. That's a great question. Here's the quick answer and then I'll give you a bigger answer. Faster, easier, better. Okay. Okay. Whatever it is you're working on, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you're going to get there faster, easier, and better when you're a connector. Because people make all the difference. People are your greatest assets. So if I want to give you some stats to back that up, networking for a job, when you're looking for a job, 85% of jobs at any level come from networking, and over 90% at the executive level. If you want a promotion, you're 70% more likely to get a promotion when you have an active mentor relationship. If you're trying to get a sale, I think it's 92% of people trust referrals from people they know and are four times more likely to buy. If you want to get a client, people want to do business with people they like. Yeah. It's, I mean, everything comes down to relationships, even health, which it's scary. And happiness too. You are more likely to feel job satisfaction if you have close work relationships and your productivity goes up by 50% when you have those strong relationships in your professional environment. Makes you want to show up.
0: Yeah. So those things are really important. And we might aspire to be more of a connector, to build relationships, to network, and and have their relationship with the workplace. And I remember after you were talking about the, uh, the seven levels of connecting.
1: No, but that's really important because here's... People are like, well, why would I care about being a connector? Well, I think what you just asked is key. Yeah. You know, what is the advantage? And you know, I think about my own story and I start the book sharing my story of being laid off. And I was laid off on a Monday and was working the following Monday. And people talk about serendipity and luck and I'm like, "Mm -mm." it's like, oh yeah. (laughs) Like it's BS, right? It's because when you have those relationships, I made a phone call to a friend, not looking for a job, just to say like, let's get a drink because I just got laid off. Yeah, right. I'm like, we need to go out because I need a drink. And his next comment was, come work here. And I was there within a week.
0: Right. Because you've got that relationship. And I've experienced this in my own life many times. I mean, I talk about this all the time. Every, just about every job and business opportunity I've had has come from relationships. The great consulting job I got 8-9 years ago was because a random email I sent to a guy said I, that I was looking for something else. And he said, come work here. And then the business I'm in now uh, is because a friend recruited me over and said, and I said, I'm looking to do something different. He said, come work here. Yeah. So exact same thing. And had built those relationships up before that, you know, not asking for anything. Exactly. Uh, you're well before you're thirsty, as they say, just make a lot of friends and they know, get to know you and your strengths and what you're, where you can add value. And then boom. And I, and I think that happens so often for so many people and they don't even realize it.
1: And I bet if your listeners out there were thinking about it they can visualize themselves on that like acceptance speech stage. And who would they have to thank for the accomplishments that they've had in their life? And it would be a very long list. And I think if people paid attention to that a little bit more, they would understand the value of those connections. And they would want to level up, as I put it. So we're back into those levels of connector. Yep. And we're in that emerging connector. So somebody who obviously values it, but they haven't infused all the mindsets in yet. They're not that comfortable um, they might move to the responsive place where they're responding to requests from other people to connect or they're responding for requests for assistance from other people. And so they're very responsive, but they're not yet seeing their own value and they're not initiating. Once they start to initiate, that's the first lever. As they're initiating and responding, they're now in that acting connector category. And that's really a great place for most people to be. And probably most people can be there very easily with just a little, little extra, a little more recognition of how you can be of assistance to somebody else and a little bit more, I'm gonna make that first move, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out. Then we take it up a level. And so this is probably the world that you are in because the other level is the breadth and depth of your connections. So if you have a depth, like for example, Andy knows everybody in podcasting. That would make you a niche connector in podcasting. It could be, I was talking to somebody who planted flowers in the flower beds in their street and became like the mayor of their street. Yes. Like everybody knows so-and-so that's a niche connector. It could be a geography. It could be an industry. It could be a function. When you break out of the depth and you start to have a breath, when you are friends with everybody up and down the ladder across different industries, across different geographies, across different demographies, if that's a word, <laughs> uh, that's when you become a super connector. And if you cross your country's borders, that's when you become a global super connector. Wow. So where would you put yourself?
0: I, I don't know. I like to think I'm a pretty broad connector. I mean, there's certain niches or niches that I'm deeper in. The talent development community right now is where I've been spending a lot of my time. But uh, you know, working in the consulting world, entrepreneurship, podcasting, I go to a lot of podcast conferences and know a lot of people, to your point. Yeah. Uh, not everybody, that's for sure, because there are 500,000 podcasts out there. But uh, <laughs> but I know a lot of people uh, and a lot of people in personal branding, entrepreneurship, because I go to all those conferences and meet people and, and have fun with those people and get to know them. And then look for opportunities to connect people when I think there's a way to add value.
1: And you're very much in that mindset. Oh, definitely. And that's really what it's about, is is embracing the mindsets of somebody who prioritizes relationships in the way in which they interact.
0: So how do you help people that are not in that mindset? I've been in that mindset for a long time, but there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, I'm introverted. I don't really want to go out and and talk to a lot of people, or I'm just not very social, or, you know, I'm a computer programmer. I don't need that. I just need to be good at this job. (laughs) Um, How do you shift that mindset or convince them that it is important when they don't historically see it that way?
1: You know, I can't tell somebody that it's important to them. They need to determine what's important to them and recognize how they can get there. And they probably recognize that those relationships would help, but they're so uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. I will tell you some of the best connectors I know are introverts. One of the mindsets is being social and curious. But let me be clear with all those people out there. I married a computer program. Well, techie, somebody, I don't know. I don't understand any of that tech stuff, but I married one. And, And he very much was an emerging connector when I met him who's just kind of starting out. And I saw him move from emerging to responsive to acting. And I don't even know if he's quite hit niche yet, but he's very strong as an acting connector. And so it's not his comfort place, but it's a learned skill. And it's a it's, again, it's a mindset. So what I would say, social curious doesn't mean social butterfly. It doesn't mean life of the party. It doesn't mean I have to go work the room. Right. Um, you can choose what room you're in. And that room doesn't have to be overly crowded. Connection really happens in the one-on-one. And I would actually say, I have a section in the book called The Introvert's Edge, because I do think introverts have an edge when it comes to connecting. They are natural-born listeners. And they bring that curiosity. They bring that attentiveness. They make somebody feel present, heard, and valued. And they process that information. They Feel more comfortable in the one-on-one. That's where connection happens. It doesn't happen in the big group. And the last thing is, and I can say this as an extrovert, <laughs> introverts aren't as uh, off-putting. Sometimes those extroverts come on a little strong and a little over <laughs> or, um, oh, extra. That's what we need to say, a little extra. nice. <laughs> yes. yes. And so the introvert is actually a little bit more putting somebody at ease and has a calm energy and a presence that lets you exhale a little bit. So understand the strengths that you bring to the table as an introvert and think about finding the environments in which you can thrive. But I'll give you one caveat there. Stretch yourself. Hmm. Every once in a while, go to the big room. Realize you can do it. Realize you can hold your own and it won't be so intimidating.
0: Yeah, I think it's important for all of us to get out of our comfort zone, stretch a little bit. On that note of you know curiosity, I have always been when I started to codify my point of view on networking and give advice to people and give talks a little bit on this, not nearly as much as you, I always say that you know the number one trait is curiosity. You know, I just focus on asking questions, getting to know the other person. And I've also thought introverts have an advantage here because they're generally better listeners and more curious than us extroverts who always just want to keep talking and move on to the next conversation, right? And so we have to force ourselves to focus a little bit more on that one-on-one conversation. And I'm an extrovert as well. And I have challenged myself to spend a lot more time alone and find that I'm starting to enjoy that time. And so I know many introverts that are moving the other way and forcing themselves to spend time in social situations and finding many benefits from that as well. I mean, there's there's greatness and benefits in both.
1: Yeah, I always think about a conversation as a dance. And I think we need to bring the strengths that extroverts bring as well as the strengths that introverts bring. So when we... Have that curiosity when we ask those questions. You have two options. You can either listen and probe, right? Let me ask more. Right. This is a strength of the introvert. Or you can listen and share. And this is where we find our common interests and our common values and our common experiences. And we have those moments where we feel like, yeah, you, me, yes. And we find that connection point. And that's where an extrovert's strength is. And so, whereas you said I'm spending more time alone, I've challenged myself to talk second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. So, thinking about, especially for people in companies, we've established that it's it's a good idea to be a connector, that relationships matter, that there are numbers to back it up. What are some things they should do? How do they go about becoming more of a connector, building more relationships, building their network to help them get that promotion, get that next job, get their project done, whatever it may be? Is it you know just walking in the office, talking to more people in the queues? Is it going to networking events? Is it making more connections online? What do you generally recommend?
1: It's not formulaic. Yeah. So let's do this. I'm going to share with you the seven mindsets and you can pick one or two and we can dive a little bit deeper. But when we have these mindsets, you'll see that when you're in interaction, you think differently and you act differently. And because it is who I'm being, the way you asked that question was a little bit more of the, I'm networking versus I'm connecting. Okay. And so... I kind of want to flip it a little bit and think about if I am this way, these things will happen. So a connector is uh, the seven mindsets. A connector is, let we we'll little count to see if I forget any, yeah. open and accepting. Okay. Has a clear vision. They believe in abundance. They trust. They are social and curious, which we already talked about. They're conscientious and they have a generous spirit. So, When I think about these are the things that I need to think about in order to get that advantage being whatever I'm working on faster, easier, and better. Yeah. There's a couple that are pretty critical in that list. Which jump out for you? Well, I think that
0: uh, one thing that a lot of people don't think about is probably that last one about being generous, even though it may come natural to some people, others have to work at it. They may not think, well, I'm connecting with people. Why does does that matter?
1: Because that actually goes back to what you were saying. What do I do? Yeah. Right. So this is a great mindset to think about an actual actions you could take. So the mindset of have generous spirit is that we want to add value. And I did a survey and one of the most interesting results of the survey was that connectors find a personal gratification just from the act of connecting others. That it doesn't really do anything for their results, but they enjoy that and they get pleasure from that. This idea of a connector is a very long-term view of how we approach things. So having a generous spirit, you also need to not just be generous with others, right? So how can I help you? Who can I connect you to? What are you working on? What do you want to know? What can I invite you to? What information can I provide? How can I mentor, advise, give credit, share? Whatever it is that you might be doing that's adding value, great, keep thinking about all those things. And you don't ever sell yourself short. You bring value to the table. And I work with a lot of younger, uh, professionals that kind of feel like, but they're here and I'm here. I have been in the position where I'm here and this that CEO that I met is here. And 15 years later, I'm still friends with him and he's still here and I'm still here. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean you can't bring value to each other when you are on different levels of your career. I remember the former head of um, Credit Suisse's all of technology. Like he used to have 54,000 employees. Like, I don't know, it doesn't get much more here than that. And he was a complete like novice at LinkedIn. And we used to have Skype sessions where I would like help him with his LinkedIn profile. And again, he and I have been connected for years. Yeah. So it's not like you have to fix the world. It's just showing that you, you want to add value. Asking the question, what are you working on? Or, or who do you want to know? Or... Um, what's important to you right now that shows that you're not all about yourself.
0: Or what are you struggling with, right? Because everybody has challenges that they could use help with.
1: Yeah, what's well, keeping you up at night? Well, not ask that on the first date, but yeah. <laughs> uh, in the first interaction, and so to speak. So, so all of those things show that you care, even if you can't do anything yet. So that's the idea of kind of being patient with your ability to to help. The other part of having a generous spirit is being generous with yourself. And it's really important to recognize that we need to be good to ourselves too. We need to set boundaries and um, give ourselves space because a connector tends to overextend. And that kind of leads right into the idea of a generous spirit. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the idea of conscientiousness. Because we need to be very clear on what we say yes to and what we say no to. Otherwise, we stretch ourselves so thin trying to help everybody else that we run ourselves into the ground.
0: Yeah, and I know people that have done that. I, I know people that are doing that now and I'm trying to, you know, you can only go so far. You have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your own career. But with that said, you know, I mentioned everybody, we talked about everybody has challenges. Everybody needs help with things. A lot of people, even if they're willing to be generous and ask other people what help they might need, I find a lot of people struggle with asking for help themselves which can also be a great way to connect with others because people love to help each other. Have you come across that as well?
1: Yes. That's actually why the chapter on Have a Clear Vision is one of the critical mindsets because you can't get the advantage unless you know what you're working on. right? Like, how can I get my result faster, easier, better if I don't know what results I'm looking for? Yeah. But not only does a connector know what they want, they're willing to ask for it. And so I actually spent a lot of time in that chapter talking about different ways to ask without putting a relationship at risk. And I think it's really, I love the way you phrase the question because I think when people recognize that enabling somebody to help you makes them feel valuable and more connected to you, you won't be like, no, 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 I don't need any help. <laughs> Showing that appreciation and letting them feel like, yeah, you can help me too. It feels amazing when you can help somebody. That CEO I mentioned to you. So this is somebody who has done like three startups and gone IPO on all of them. Like really, he's got a Wikipedia page, like the whole shebang. And the second time we met, so I basically pitched an idea to him, a business idea, a friend connected us and he knocked down my idea in 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And um, we proceeded to have a lovely lunch. And he said to me, I'm in love with the idea of my business, not the business of my business. Yeah. And boy, did he save me a lot of heartache. And I appreciated that. And so I had gone up to his office and I left a bottle of tequila because I heard that that was his favorite tequila. He happened to walk out when I was standing there dropping it off. And he's like, hey, you know, let's set up some time for you to come back. I'm tell-. He was closing up this business that already IPO'd and starting new. And he's like, I'll tell you what I'm working on next. I was like, okay, great. So that second meeting, when I went back to learn what he was doing, I was like, this is so over my head. Yep. I mean, it, there was tech stuff and I was just like, yeah, I don't get any of this. So I asked questions. <laughs> right. I really wanted to understand. And I started to ask questions because I didn't understand how this would work. And, and all of a sudden he does one of those operas where he you know leans back and puts his feet up and he says, you know, Michelle, you've given me a lot to think about. I will never forget that feeling of like, really? I did. That was it was so exciting. Yeah. So if you can do that for somebody else at whatever level, even if you are lower in your career, you make somebody feel valued, that's that's why people mentor. It feels really good.
0: Yeah. I have a I have a similar story actually. It's kind of funny. I was on a flight once from Orlando to Newark to go up for some meetings in New York and I was sitting next to I was in first class in United because I flew a lot of United for many years and I got upgraded a lot and I was sitting up there next to this guy who was obviously a very prominent executive in some way or other. And I I knew I had to find a way to talk to him. And uh, so I eventually complimented his watch and it started this whole conversation. Turned out he was the president of a business unit that was spinning off from a company. So he was about to be the CEO of a publicly traded company. And I asked him a whole lot of different questions using a a questioning framework that I have um, that I use and teach others how to use. And by the end of the conversation, we talked for an hour or so, he said, you know what, I'm actually on my way to New York to meet with investors and analysts ahead of our spinoff. And you've actually helped me think through a lot of the things that you know, I needed to talk to them about. So he thanked me. And I had the same feeling, just floored and you know, grateful. And it gave me validation for asking people questions, getting curious and being willing to have that conversation. And the limiting belief that, oh, it's just about me and I'm being selfish because I'm helping them by thinking things through as well.
1: Yeah. And so I don't know what you did after that, but anybody who's listened to the story, they might have those experiences and then they say, and then it ended on the plane. Right. And so what I would say to you is make sure whether you got his name or his LinkedIn or there's some way to follow up. And then you wait a few days because you know, when that meeting was held and then you say, how did the meeting go? Right. Right. Like it doesn't have to be like, thank you so much for your talk. It doesn't, it could, I've done that so many times. Like I've not gotten gigs as a speaker, they went in another direction. And I just put in my calendar, the date of the event that I would have spoken at. And then I check in with them about a week after the event. And I say, you know, hey, how did it go? And you know, I hope it was a wonderful success. I'm sure your speaker was amazing. Yeah. And they're like, I'm amazed that I like cared enough to think about how their event went even though I wasn't the speaker. Yeah. And that keeps the relationship going. And then they're like, no, we, but we could use you for this event.
0: Yeah, you're giving me some good ideas. <laughs> uh, some stuff I've got coming up. So speaking of speaking, I mean, you've got these books on connecting. You've got the Eleven Laws of Likability and the Connector's Advantage. And I know you do a lot of speaking and coaching and, and training as well. Uh, what is your most of your speaking about? Is it is it on these subjects? Is it connected to the book, or what do you of, most often get pulled into or requested for at, at uh, in speaking engagements?
1: I always say my mission is about connection, but it could be connection in a lot of different ways. So it could be connected leadership. I did a program yesterday called the Relationship Driven Leader. And it's also one of my most requested keynotes to understand how do we create connected leaders and connected cultures. It could be connecting to your message. It could be, you know, the public speaking aspect and and how we present ourselves and communicate. Connecting to your network. Of course, I do the relationship networking and the art of conversation in the digital age. It could be connecting to your brand and to yourself. Um, and so for women, I have one called Claim Your Power. And if it's got both genders in it, I call it You the Brand. Um, because we do need to connect to our own message and how we want to be known. Um, so it's all about how we connect. And, and actually I actually have one talk called Get Known, Get Connected, Get Ahead. Like, it can't be any more direct than that, right?
0: Yeah, that's it. And and people and there's clear results that could come from this, right? Benefits of doing the thing.
1: That's actually how we start the talk. And I have a talk called How to Get What You Want. Because... Those talks, I make people really connect to, well, what do you want, right? Or what does get ahead mean to you? Because if you don't have that clarity, you're not going to get it.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So you, you mentioned personal brand. That's something I wanted to ask you about as well. I'm very obsessed or infatuated. It's probably not the right word, but I'm really into this idea of personal branding uh, and working on a lot of that myself. I realize that you know a lot of entrepreneurs get it. They're doing this, right? But for people that are in the corporate world, starting to maybe hear about, well, you need to develop some type of personal brand or authority, or maybe they think, no, I don't. Do you think that everybody needs to be thinking about this? And, and if so, why?
1: I think everybody already has a brand, but they might not be controlling what that brand is. Yeah. A brand is simply... Well, there's two ways I define it. One way is a brand is the promise. The promise of working with you. Like What is my expectation of the experience of working with you? That's your brand if you want to make it a little more kind of tangible, ask what three words somebody would use to describe you. That's your brand. And make sure those words aren't synonyms. I actually have an activity and um, I'm sure we'll put it in your show notes. It's called Your Three Words to help people work through what they want their brand to be, what they believe their brand currently is, kind of getting some research to find out what it really is and how to bridge that gap. And so um, it's one of my free giveaways. Uh, if they kind of join my newsletter, they they get all the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> and it's a really amazing activity. For It took me about two weeks to come up with my first set of words on my brand. And then another two weeks to test them out and realize that I had to tweak it. And now I do that program called You the Brand. And at the end of it, I let people describe me and I let them throw all the words they want to at me, good and bad. And then I kind of click the slide, and they've inevitably said exactly what I want them to say. And I said, there's nobody behind the curtain. There's no wizard back there typing it in as you said it. Right. The idea is that when you get really clear on how you want to be known, you infuse those qualities about yourself that you like the most into your interactions and people will get it. Yeah. And you all have brands. You want to be determining and driving what that brand is.
0: And you show up consistently uh, around whatever that brand is, however you think about defining it, what people see you as, I get kind of annoyed with so many people that are trying to be one thing, but they're really another, when, you know in this day and age, everything is so out there, right? that you might as well be authentic and be consistent with what your brand is and your who you are and what you put out there in the world, because people are going to find out anyway.
1: Well, that's why I find it so interesting when so many people come up to me and say, you really are everything you talk about. You you seem the same on stage as off. Yeah. And they're surprised by it. And I was like, yeah, I believe everything I say. You know, I'm like, this is my heart. This is my mission. This is everything I believe. It's no different if I'm standing up there or if I'm standing in front of you.
0: Yeah, I strive to do the same thing. I I think it's so important. And I I heard a story recently about a, a speaker I saw speak who kind of touched on that a little bit. And then someone I know was doing some work for him and, found, and I found out that he was just not so as kind or, or human-centered as maybe he gave off on the stage. And I just thought that was kind of annoying. I think we need to be consistent, authentic, generous as much as possible.
1: Okay, so here's one thing I will, I will say. Yeah. I agree with you, but I also want to give room for the people who don't feel this naturally because when I do kind of communication styles and I say, okay, so this is how we're wired, well, some people are wired more task orientation. Some people are wired more about action and process than they are about people and purpose. Sure. And that's okay. That's critical. That's important. You add so much value within your organization. And what I say is that you don't have to be naturally wired this way, but you need to be able to access those skills. And so if this person was really more this, and that's their comfort zone, that's okay. There's no judgment there. If they can access the skills in an authentic way, you're good. And so I don't want people listening to think, well, that's just, I'm not a people person. Right. Because the biggest differentiator in organizations and in leaders between an average performer and a star performer are those people skills. And research will show you that your EI, your EQ, is far more important than your IQ when it comes to your success. And you'll see, like, oh, I wish I can remember some of them. I, I remember one company who did this research said that the sales increased thirty six percent with people who took the emotional intelligence class. And you know, thirty six percent is not a small number when you're talking about a sales increase. You know?
0: Yeah, that's really huge. And I do some work with some clients on emotional intelligence, and I'm gonna have to go find those stats and, uh, and start quoting that more. Because seriously, if you can make that kind of an impact by helping people focus on that more, going through some training on it. That's a huge differentiator. It's a big ROI.
1: See now, so you and I started talking and we're like, oh, we have so much to talk about. We have to get this podcast done. So now what just happened in our conversation is like, oh, I know how I might be able to be of assistance to you. Yep. Right. I might be able to help you find those stats.
0: Right. Absolutely. And
1: that's the mindset of a connector. You're kind of always kind of listening for those moments of, oh, I can help with that.
0: <laughs> 100%. So what, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, Michelle, I, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. You've got the two books. You do a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. Um, is there anything we didn't cover that you are excited or passionate about that you want to make sure you get the the message out to people?
1: I'm excited and passionate about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> My message is connect with me. You know, I, I love to hear when somebody hears me, like they'll connect me on LinkedIn and I won't get any note. Send me the note. Tell me that you heard me, you know, on your podcast and what resonated, what stuck with you, we'll start a conversation. Don't think that the people who seem kind of out of reach are actually out of reach. They're not. Yep. Just start a conversation. So go to my website. It'll be in the show notes. It's Michelle with two L's, Tillis Letterman, spelled with a D, but sounds like David Letterman, dot um, com, and you can find all the ways to find me.
0: Awesome. And I know you've got some, some gifts on there and some contact information and, and all the information you, for the things that we talked about. And, and I agree, you're authentic, you're really who you say you are. Reach out, have a conversation. I love those as well. I go on other podcasts and have this one, and uh, we may have to do a separate class to teach people how to add that custom note in LinkedIn because I just get the standard connection. And then I'll ask, you know, what inspired you to reach out? And people say, oh, I've heard you on such and such podcast, or you know, I listened to your podcast, and I'm so grateful for every single one of those, and, and glad that I asked because I think people are just quick to hit the button and don't realize that you can customize those messages. And it's so important.
1: Hands on the app, unless you've found a way, when you connect through the mobile app, you can't add a note, which drives me crazy. So I try not to do it that way.
0: You can. You can? Yes, you can. So when you open the app, see, we could do a class right now.
1: Okay. I'm opening my app. When you open the
0: app, there's a little, uh, you look at somebody's profile Mm -hmm. on the right to the right of where it says connect, there's a little dot, dot, dot. You can, you click that, And then it'll say, send custom note, And you can send a custom note that way.
1: Hmm. All right. I'm going to try that. Because I'm always like, I I won't connect to them until I get back to my computer. Because I want to put a note. I know, right. But yes. And and you know what's also interesting is when somebody connects to me, I send them a note back. They don't respond.
0: Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. They're busy. People are busy. They don't think about connections. But hopefully... After listening to this interview, they'll think about the importance of connecting, the importance of relationships, yeah. because it's going to help you accelerate your career, your career. It's going to help you get new jobs, get promotions, get projects done. So many things they can help you with in life as it has helped me. And I know it has helped you. Uh, so Michelle, one more time, the website is michelletillisletterman.com
1: It is, or you can go to the connectorsadvantage.com. And even if you don't connect to one of us, connect to somebody new today. That's your challenge.
0: I love it. So connect with us on LinkedIn and the accountability challenges connect with someone new. Well, Michelle, I am so grateful that we connected and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. I enjoyed this conversation. I hope others did as well. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new talent development think tank membership community. your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HotSeat for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the talent development hot seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.